Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. I'm sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian. Tom, is everything going okay? It's going great. The The cafe's humming today. It is humming today. There's a lot of activity, a lot of yeah. excitement going on. I know. They knew about our guests and about our topic today. So we've got, we got a full full house. Oh, great. Yeah, it's a good thing. Can't wait. It's Barbara Goldsmith. Yes. Barbara, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thank you. So, Barbara, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you do. Who are you? Who am I? I am... Um, how I earn a living is that I work for the church. Okay. I'm principal organist for the cathedral here Ooh, in Memphis. Ooh, that's fancy. She can, she, in fact, we watch her fingers. So she's always doing something <laughs> on, the, yeah. on, the, on the table. Yep. And um, also director of music for the diocese. Well, that's wonderful. Now, Barbara, we pulled you in here to the Luxurious Corner booth because we wanted to talk about a wonderful experience that you had in your life. And we were uh, so honored and blessed that you would share that with us. Uh, and we're talking about your trip that you took to Lourdes. Yes. Um, so few people, I think, in the world really get to appreciate the fullness of what happens at Lourdes. And so we thought it would be a great thing to do to bring you in here and have you tell us about it. It was a wonderful, amazing experience. Well, first of all, before we do anything else, mm-hmm. how did you hear about going to Lourdes? How did that, how did that come about? Well, I was driving in the car one day, and my phone rang, <clears throat> so yes, I answered it while driving, and um, it was a friend, and basically the question was, would you be interested in a, going on a pilgrimage to Lourdes? And I went, uh, yeah. We've all heard about it. We've all heard about these pilgrimages and how wonderful they are, but you know, Lourdes is a far-off place. Right. That's one of those places where, you know, you'd always think, oh, that would be so wonderful to go to, but, you know, only in your dreams. Right. And that's what it was. Yeah. It was totally out of reach. Well, so your friend called you and said, hey, how would you like to go on a pilgrimage? And I'm sure at that point you're like, well, how will this happen? You know? Exactly. He made a couple of calls, and he's a member of the Order of Malta. Full disclosure here, Tom. The Order of Malta, the Federal Association of the Order of Malta, is uh, basically a sponsor of the Catholic Cafe. It is indeed. That's right. They're the ones that uh, put all these fine linens on the table for us. Uh, They They take care of all the... fantastic (laughs) job. Exactly right. We love them. The Order of Malta has two... Missions. Now, there's a great Catholic Cafe show about the Order of Malta. Exactly. Um, go to www.thecatholiccafe.com and you'll be All able to. All the shows are great, though, because that, you're on it. Uh, yeah, whatever. I right, yeah. appreciate that, Tom. Thank you for that support. You're but welcome. There are two primary missions of the Order of Malta. Mm-hmm. One is to defend the faith of the Catholic Church, and, the, and that's how they, they do it with the Federal Association. They work with the Catholic Cafe and basically talking about what the Church talks about. That's a defense of the faith there. But the other critical mission of the Order of Malta is to care for the sick and the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Barbara, you got this call mm-hmm. from a friend because of your situation. Tell us a little bit about your situation. Well, right. I um, had breast cancer 14 years ago. Right. And it decided to come back three years ago. So I've been fighting it ever since. It's right. Now, you had mentioned that these last three years have been particularly challenging for you. Right. I am right now doing my third set of chemotherapy. I do it for about six months, then I'm off for a year. Then I do it for six months, I'm off for a year, so I'm doing it again. 
um, just to continue to fight the disease that's mm-hmm. metastasized. Now, every year, the Order of Malta, uh, as part of their mission to care for the sick and the poor, one of the things they do is they have this convocation in Lourdes where they bring thousands upon thousands of folks in your situation, some better, mm-hmm. some worse, yes. but basically all those who are in need of healing of mm-hmm. some sort. And they bring them to Lourdes, and they just allow them to be basically enveloped in the love of the church in this location of one of the, the great apparitions of Mary. Mm-hmm. It's truly amazing. They, um, the, every time they would speak to us, there were about 300 of us on the flight that they chartered to take us to Lourdes. But um, there are only about 30 or 35 Malads. The sick right. people are the Malads. And then they each had a companion. So all the rest were people from the order or volunteers that do this. And every time we would meet, which was every day at least once, they would get up to make this announcement. And they'd say, first of all, we just want to make sure you Malads know how much we appreciate you coming. Mm. And, you know, I was appreciative of them getting me there right i mean that it was just so foreign to me and anything i needed they would take care of anything hmm. they become the hands of christ don't they they yes. actually just they're just they're christ to you they take care of your every need yes it's a true mission you can really see that this is their ministry and i know you'd mentioned that uh from the very first time that you started this process where you were on the plane and you were meeting these people and you were talking to these people that these are some of the, some of these people are are now people you'll have as friends for life oh absolutely absolutely we have such we've made wonderful friends just from the time we were sitting in the airport in baltimore waiting to get on the plane people would just come up and say hello to us and um and all through lords we ended up with pretty much the same group of people and we are they're very good friends of us now now tell me a little bit about what you did in lures i mean what what did it consist of you were there for how long we were there for a week for a solid week and so every day you did nothing but sit in your room or what how did that work (laughs) yeah no (laughs) um every day we went um on they had different activities planned we had mass every day one night we had we participated in the rosary procession, which is in the grotto in the dom- in the domain where the grotto is, right. and it's thousands of people. All of a sudden, we're praying the rosary in six or seven different languages, and you hear people, and it's thousands of people, and we're all processing with, except us Malads, have a little cart that we get to ride in. Right. Um, which is, comes in handy when it rains, and it rained every day while we were there. Tom, so. you need to get one of those cars to push me around in. That would be awesome, but I tell you what, <laughs> listening to, to that many people and in those different languages, I bet was just awesome. It was. I can't tell you what a wonderful experience it was. Yeah. And, of course, they're praying the rosary, and so you know what they're saying. Exactly. Right. And then and the, they sing always. You always hear the Lord's hymn, which is Immaculate Mary. Mm-hmm. So it, they sing it just a little bit differently than us Americans. But, you know, they started it. So we'll I let remember them being that. Right. <laughs> in St. Peter's Square uh, when we were at John Paul II's 25th anniversary mass. And I remember specifically sitting there and at one point in time looking around me and realizing that there were people from pretty much every land mm-hmm. were pre- represented there and all of the uh 
the, those who are consecrated, uh, the religious sisters and brothers, the, uh, the priests, the deacons, the bishops from all these different lands were all wearing their respective garb, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it just gave me this sense for the first time really in my life the, the truth to the universality of our faith. Exactly. So many of us as Catholics take for granted the fact that we are Catholic, and the, the word Catholic mm-hmm. means universal. Exactly. But we think of Catholic, you and I probably were raised to think that Catholic was, it was an American church. Right. Because our experience <laughs> has been right. in the American church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is so big, so big compared to that. Well, this time that we went to Lourdes was the like you said the convocation for the Order of Malta and it was worldwide. So they explained to us well you can always just look on the emblem that the men are wearing on their so- on their shoulders mm-hmm. to see what country they're from. Hmm. So it was really exciting. Now, now does the Order of Malta do this once per year? Yes. Okay. And it's this one week. Right. So. But that's not just for the Order of Malta that one week. It's for other pilgrims as well. Oh yeah, there were it's plenty open, of other pilgrims. To, yes. Okay. Now, while you were there, you said you've been to, uh, you went to masses pretty much every day, mm-hmm. uh, prayed the rosary, I'm sure, on several occasions, yes. Stations of the Cross. Yes. And so basically what you were doing was just being Catholic, but sort of in a heightened We were state. being immersed in so many of our Catholic traditions that and devotions that I don't always go to. Be- being, I played the organ in church since I was 10. So whenever they needed someone to play for something at church, I always had to do it. Mm-hmm. It was a sense of obligation. I didn't have anyone say, you've got to do this, you know. But as a kid, you know, your mother's going to take you there, and you do what she tells you to do. <laughs> but so it was always, you know, that kind of sense of obligation. So now that I'm older, it's like, oh, no. So I was a little worried about this total immersion in Catholicism. So this was really, you know, you're so used to giving. And now you're receiving. Right. 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 We're going to talk about that in a second when we come back. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We also want to remind everyone at home that they should go to our website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. There's links to this show and all the other shows we've ever recorded. Uh, And also, I want you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so, with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. St. Bernadette Subaru was born into a simple family in the small market town of Lourdes, which lies in the foothills of the Pyrenees in southwestern France. Over the period of her childhood, the family grew poorer and poorer. St. Bernadette's health declined as well. She was always sickly, suffering from cholera, asthma, and tuberculosis. One Thursday in February of 1958, when St. Bernadette was only 14, she was sent with her younger sister and a friend to gather firewood for the family. They entered a grotto near her home, and St. Bernadette saw a most wonderful sight. What she described as a beautiful lady appeared to her above a rose bush in a niche in the wall of the grotto. Her sister and friend said they had seen nothing, but St. Bernadette stood transfixed staring intently and peacefully at the niche in the wall. The lady was dressed in blue and white and bore the most loving and peaceful smile Bernadette had ever seen. The lady then made the sign of the cross with her rosary, made of what appeared to be ivory and gold. At this, St. Bernadette, 
herself a devout and holy young lady, fell on her knees, took out her rosary, and began to pray with her. She appeared to St. Bernadette 18 times. The lady told her of the need to pray for sinners and to do penance. She even instructed that a chapel be built on the spot of her appearance. Only after many visitations did the beautiful lady identify herself. She told St. Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. She was Mary, the most holy and ever virgin mother of God. One day, the Blessed Mother instructed St. Bernadette to dig in the mud in the grotto, and a spring of water began to flow, and it grew larger and larger. As could be expected, there were many who refused to believe that such visions had occurred, and St. Bernadette suffered greatly from this. But as time went on, more and more people began to believe, and a great devotion to Our Lady arose in Lourdes. Today, nearly five million pilgrims travel to Lourdes each year in hopes of physical and spiritual healings through the waters that flow from the spring. To date, there have been nearly 70 documented, scientifically authenticated, and church-approved cases of physical healing and countless miracles of the Spirit. St. Bernadette, who later became a nun, would only live to be 35. But she dedicated every day of her short life to Our Lady and to following Jesus. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. I'm sitting here again with Tom Dorian, and our guest is Barbara Goldsmith. Barbara, you've been telling us so much about this wonderful trip that you took to Lourdes, and you just started to tell us before the break about how you were so used to sort of being on the giving end of liturgy, where you're, you're there to do your job, although you loved it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and love it, uh, your, your job of presenting the liturgy and being part of the one of the players as it were right and now really maybe not necessarily for the first time but in a in a profound way you were receiving right the gifts of the church that you were participating in these liturgies that you had nothing to do with organizing and creating and you didn't choose any of these uh, hymns or settings of any kind. You didn't play anything. Basically, you I were didn't. there to receive. I mean, what was that like I for was, you? And that, that part was a little scary, <laughs> to be honest. When I sit in the pew, which doesn't happen very often, I find myself sometimes a little on the critical side. Like, oh, they're not doing it the way I want to do it, <laughs> you know. But um, every liturgy had music. It was all beautifully done. Uh, I didn't nudge my daughter one time with my elbow. It it was just beautiful. And, of course, we were all there for the same reason. And so all of these basilicas, we had mass every day in a different church. And it was filled with music. And, of course, being a musician, that just set my heart on fire. Right. I awesome. mean, it, it really was. And And to take part in the candlelight devotion, the rosary, that um, we did and other things that that we did. The Stations of the Cross. Oh, I cried my way through the Stations of the <laughs> Cross. I've never cried my way through the Stations of the Cross before. But it was and it was raining and it was on a hillside and it was really steep. But we loved it. It was just wonderful. And so it really has given me a much better appreciation of 
of the liturgy, which I have a good appreciation for, but these extra devotions, that is all part of our Catholic Church. You had mentioned just a minute ago, you'd said that you weren't really sure how you were going to react to doing something that was so Catholic. I mean, this was this right. was all the most Catholic stuff, you know, that, that we all know about. We all know about all those devotions. Mm-hmm. And usually we attribute them to the little old gray-haired ladies that sit quietly in a church somewhere wearing some veil or whatever. And they're praying their rosary and don't, right. you know, bother right. Miss So-and-so because she's mm-hmm. doing her rosaries mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and a lot of us have seen that and think, well, that's for them and maybe it's not for me. But I think you kind of experienced something different here. I mean, obviously you were... You were a Catholic before you went. Yes. And you were a Catholic, especially mm-hmm. while you were there, mm-hmm. and you're still a Catholic. I am. But has your Catholicism, <laughs> your appreciation for the church and her devotions changed at all? I, yes. Yes. I, I, I've i never been one on personal devotions, and I've just never really understood why people would have personal devotions. My whole goal in life up to this point was get people to have full active conscious participation in the liturgy you know that's what the documents tell us to do and that's what i firmly believe but to see these devotions some on a private level um i really can understand it now Hmm. it has opened my eyes to devotion to the blessed mother and um you know the stations of the cross oh the ones we did were so beautiful and with life-size statues along mm. the way portraying each station of the cross it the whole experience was wonderful i was so worried going in i thought i don't know i work at church every <laughs> i'm at church seven days a week um i just don't know if i can handle it well you know maybe this is really one of the first times that you've really actually sort of lived the liturgy right where you've been a living breathing participant and i think it's good for all of us that's a good point. To experience point. that, where before mm-hmm. it's, you're, like I said, an actor in a play. And mm-hmm. I, not that you ever took your lightly or didn't believe no. what you were doing, but I think maybe God gave you this opportunity to sort of really just experience the grace that comes in all of these different liturgical mm-hmm. and even uh, those devotional practices. Mm-hmm. You know, they say Lourdes is a place of healing, but it's not just physical healing. It's spiritual healing. It's mm-hmm. all kinds of different healing. And I think that's the healing, so to speak, that I received. I it's thought, miraculous. It's beautiful. It is. It is beautiful. It is. Now, you said that your companion was your daughter, Angie. Yes. Now, how was that? So you invited her along. Did she know what to expect? And did you know what to expect with her in that environment? Um, Angie's 27 and lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I hate that she's that far away from me, but she went to school in Knoxville, so I got used to handling crises from 400 miles away on the <laughs> phone. Now, she's grown up. She's engaged to be married now. Um, but we are very close. We talk on the phone almost every day. About stupid stuff, you know. Oh, hey, Mom, what you doing? Driving to work. Okay, me too. That's it. Right. Um, but that's fine, and and that's part of what makes us so close. But oh, I was so afraid of when I started the, when I heard first that we were supposed to pray the rosary on the plane and then watch the song of Bernadette on the plane. <laughs> I thought, I just don't know if Angie's going to be able to handle all of this. (laughs) Being a good mom, you're worried about how she's going to deal with it, right? Exactly. Exactly. She literally loved everything. Everything. We went to um, one of the last evenings we were there. We walked up the hill past the domain to the Carmelite um, convent to go to Vespers, which, of course, were, were in French. And the Carmelites are cloistered. 
So here I am trying to explain to her, because she's never experienced this before. She didn't know anything about it. So I'm trying to explain to her, well, you know, of course, you know what Vespers is. But she said, but why can't we see them? I said, Angie, they're behind that screen so that because they're cloistered. But it's so pretty, and it was beautiful. Vespers in French. She didn't have a clue what was being done, but it was great. It, it was just a, such a spiritual moment. Right. It sounds beautiful. It, it just was. sounds. It, it just really sounds was. beautiful. And that uh, again, these are these are the kind of things that will touch your soul in a way. Uh, not because the words are in English, or because no. you literally understand the instructions, mm-hmm. or it's not an instruction manual. This is where you actually live the grace. The grace exactly. comes to you in a in a living way, and I think that's beautiful because I've had uh, opportunities to do uh, Easter Sunday Mass in China. In wow. uh, Actually, it was in Hong Kong, but mm-hmm. it was in Chinese. And, you know, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't understand a word of it, the grace of that moment is, it just supersedes mm-hmm. language. It's beyond uh, our understanding. And that's the, that's the beauty when you get that opportunity mm-hmm. to experience that. It emphasizes our universal church. Mm-hmm. So is your, is your relationship with your daughter stronger because of your... Experience, or is it just on another level? Well, I guess I, you could say it's on another level. Um, we will always have this to share, mm-hmm. and it was such a special, wonderful opportunity. I mean, first of all, we don't get to spend a whole week together anymore, right. ever, and probably never will unless we take a real long vacation or something together. And she made arrangements so she could take off to do this, and I'm very grateful that. The people she worked for let her do this, and it was just, you know, the friends she met were, were on on a younger level. Some of them were all the same for us. I met some on an older level. Um, they invited her out every single night, and she finally had to say, "I got to sleep sometime." <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the young people, though, you experienced a lot of. Youth, yes. not just in terms of the Malads. There were many, many, many youth volunteers that were part of the order that were there to bring the mm-hmm. the graces of Christ to to the Malads, but also to grow in their holiness and love of the church in that process. What was it like seeing all those young people? It was amazing. The um, one of the people who pulled my cart for me one day is named Eileen, and she's seventeen years old. She did her homework at night because she had to, you know, not go to school while right. she's in Lourdes. She did her homework every night, and she had the brightest, smiling face <laughs> all of the time. You could just see Jesus' love in her face. Mm-hmm. And that was with all of the, I mean, I just can't tell you how many young people were there, and uh, teenagers, college students, young teachers, but there were also younger ones, like um, pre-teens and teen, you know, mm. young teenagers that were there as all volunteers. That's got to be such a humbling experience. It was very humbling. When you're on, when you're on that end. Yes, yes. That's beautiful. You know, as, as moms and dads and as, as leaders of mm-hmm. liturgy and, mm-hmm. and church, you know, we often will see ourselves as the most important people in the room sometimes. Yes. Right? Right. And then, But what really, what I love to think about is the fact that those young people, they're the future of the church. Mm-hmm. And they really, are. they're the most important people in the room. They absolutely are. We need to remind ourselves of that every day. And I think you had a wonderful opportunity to do that. It was wonderful. It was. Now, you also have mentioned this wonderful um, sort of, there was a, a, a blessing, I guess, at the end of the whole it was. Uh, week. 
where you went with uh, – with uh, there was a, a, a bishop, and this was something that was done some in private. Tell us about that yes, experience. It, it, we had a mass, and it was supposed to be in a church, in one of the churches in the, in the um, domain, except it was pouring down rain that day. That was our last day. So they ended up having it in, like, the dining room of the hotel. And so we had mass. It was just beautiful, very intimate setting there, considering we're used to these huge churches. And then they said, now, after the mass, you're going to have a, each malad will have a private blessing, individual. So when it was my turn, I thought, okay, this is, this is good. This is kind of nice. We'd already had the anointing of the sick a few days earlier. Well, when I got there, there was a bowl with Lord's water in it. And this retired bishop, and I can't remember his name, said, wash your face and your hands in it. I said, okay. And he prayed a most beautiful blessing and took my hands in his, and Angie standing right behind me. And by that time, I was already filled with emotion, and he started praying the Hail Mary. And he said, pray with me. And I said, okay, Hail Mary, full of grace. And I think that's about as far as I could get. The tears were just streaming down my face. He held on to my hands, and Angie had her hands on my shoulders from behind me. And then I didn't hear her pray too much after that either. I think she was crying too. But it was the most spiritual, emotional thing I think I've ever done. Hmm. So it it was, it, and here we are in the hotel dining room, you know. Right. But you locked everything out. He had this gift that it was just the two of you, and it was it was just wonderful. Hmm. It it truly was, and he did that for each of the malads, and he too was a malad, hmm. and he came because of that. Wow, that sounds like a truly truly uh, awesome experience you had. It was. Uh, and such a blessing in your life. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing that blessing with, with all of our listeners. Thank you. I'm sure now we're going to have a lot of people that are going to write and say, how do I find out about this Lord's experience? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. And so I, I pray that you continue to grow in your faith uh, as we all need to grow in our faith. Yes, we do. Thank uh, you. We're always, uh, we're always surprised <laughs> at how much we can continue to grow, and that's one of the things it's I surprising. think that mm-hmm. uh, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful opportunity. And so I thought we always close in prayer on this show and I thought maybe we would close in prayer and we would try and complete that Hail Mary I'll uh, try with you alright do the best you can in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus Holy Mary Mother of God pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death Amen in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.